Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Sean J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing? Hey, man, what's good? Uh, nothing much, nothing much. Um, apparently, the NBA is going to try to play with fans, so that should be a thing. We'll see. <laughs> well, it, like, they announced it right in the middle of, like, the worst week of the entire pandemic, which is... Right, I was about to say, like, they're the, they're the league that, like, rightfully thought that, hey, if we can get this done without fans and it's in our own bubble, that's probably the smart way to go. And now they're just like, woo, who cares? <laughs> hey, well, you know what? Uh, a lot of weird ideas happening, but, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe some of these weird ideas could net you Chris Paul. So, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't want to start on that. I do want to mention the fact that the NBA is also trying to get things going with, like, what, a two-month offseason? Yeah. And- like uh almost guarantees that we're not going to see lebron or anthony anthony davis till like april probably <laughs> they're just gonna sit out the entire time be like <laughs> man alex crusoe just go figure it out please. look kuzma like, <laughs> you were in a contract year go make your money kid yeah yeah i thought that you were supposed to average 18 a game what happened come on do it <laughs> but <laughs> but there is a you know i mean i guess i guess we can point out that there is a football going on still right now um obviously the big news of the week texas a&m has postponed their game against tennessee Uh, i don't think that they have an official date as yet but all indications are that it will be moved from this weekend up to december 12th which was the sec sort of day that they set aside in order to have rescheduled games in case they need it we'll talk about that storyline a whole lot more with travis brown from the eagle who's going to be on the show later um but yeah, so so no Texas A&M game this weekend. So a little bit of a lighter slate this week. Uh, the other news too that's come out this week, um, and this doesn't impact this week's game, but UTEP has decided to move its next home game scheduled against UAB from El Paso, where obviously cases in El Paso are at real scary levels, real real scary levels. Uh, they've decided to move it to Midlands to to Grande Stadium. So. Hey, we got a. I, I guess I guess the phrase that we're gonna use is Friday morning lights because it's gonna be at 11 a.m. at a high school football that's stadium. Gonna be weird. Yeah, that's gonna be weird. That's gonna be cool. I mean, it's a cool environment for Grande. Um, I'm actually really excited to see how they kind of do that because uh, Grande is a pretty big stadium. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be a pretty unique environment, especially on Saturday. Uh, like you said, the morning of. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting because. I mean, obviously, UTEP could not play in El Paso. They could not play anywhere near El Paso. The numbers are six times the national average right now, which is insane. Mm -hmm. You know, our thoughts are with everybody out in El Paso. Please stay safe. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's one of the hard parts, right? Is like I think that you know I I did an interview with uh, with Waco Radio yesterday, and they were asking, you know, is this something that could potentially become an option if it becomes like unsafe to play in certain places? You know, for people to go to high schools. And the thing is, right, like no other schools are in that unique position that UTEP is in, right? Mm-hmm. Where where they're going to have to leave and they can't just go, like, for example, I, I mean, I think the example that I used is like, okay, if TC, if Fort Worth becomes an issue and mm-hmm. TCU has to play somewhere else, 
well, you can go to Dallas, right? right. <laughs> like, right. They can go. They can go to Globe Life or something like that. Right. And um, you know, in El Paso, you obviously don't have that ability because you'd mm-hmm. either have to go to Las Cruces, which New Mexico Absolutely right not. now. Right, and New Mexico also has shut down all college sports. They're they're not mm-hmm. playing any college sports right now. Um, and then, yeah, like if you don't do that, then we're talking like Lubbock or Midland uh, or Odessa. Like that's kind of the only move, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, again, great opportunity, I think, for the city of Midland to put on a good show. Uh, there will be no fans in, in attendance, but, but it will be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and I've actually got a story up at textbull.com that kind of goes through the, the details of all of it. So check it out if you are interested. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get to our guest now. We've got Travis Brown from the Eagles. Some great information about now number five, Texas A&M by the way and uh and yeah so stick around we'll be back with you after the break we now welcome on a special guest we got travis brown from the bryan college station eagle travis how you doing man hey can't complain i i, I got like a week off this is you know <laughs> i don't know what, what i'm gonna do with this weekend it's gonna be great yeah as we mentioned texas a&m's game against tennessee has been postponed at this time because of COVID-19 contact tracing. Uh, so Travis, I mean, when did it kind of start to become a possibility that this could happen? Like when it, the words stumbled out of Jimbo Fisher's mouth on Monday, we, we, we were completely blindsided by this. I mean, I guess you could kind of see the writing on the wall because we, we get out to um, South Carolina and uh, A&M starting safety, Damani Richardson isn't there. We asked Jimbo about it afterwards. He said there was a positive test and, um, I, I think we've kind of, I don't want to say been lulled into a false sense of security, but you kind of feel like with how well A&M and how well some of these programs have done so far that, okay, they got a positive test, they separate this guy, he didn't make the trip, all is fine and well, but it was just kind of the precursor for what appeared to be a, a little bit bigger of an issue. Uh, so when they got back on on Sunday, they did their their post-trip tests and and they had two more positives that came out of it. And so we were just kind of all logging on to our weekly Jimbo Zoom on Monday, expecting to ask questions about Hezekiah Jones and Tennessee and everything. And his opening statement was, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we're shutting down practice. And, uh, you know, we have contact tracing issues and all the above. And so it kind of changed the, the shape of how we looked at this week for sure. And I know it has for them as well. But, yeah. I mean, other than Damani Richardson being out this weekend and, and then confirming that it was a positive COVID test, man, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I guess that, you know, obviously these type of shutdowns and, and, and any this whole pandemic really, I mean, like there's no silver lining to this kind of thing, right? It's, it's all bad and it's all like things you want to hope to avoid, but this really couldn't have come at a worse time, right? Like, like A&M was just really kicking on. Um, again, the, you don't want this to come anytime during the season, but especially for A&M when they were really starting to look like the team that we thought they would. And then like you expected to kind of continue that against a pretty okay Tennessee, Tennessee team, but a team that they should be favored against, should have been favored against. Um, it really hit like at a more demoralizing time. Yeah. You know, but yes and no. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there is, there's something to be said about momentum and they certainly had, the momentum rolling and, and, and A&M fans would probably want to see that carried into Tennessee. But I mean, their absolute workhorse, Isaiah Spiller has been banged up the last mm-hmm. two weeks. He hasn't been able to get through the game uh, because of just nagging bumps and bruises. And so a week off probably wouldn't hurt him a whole lot. Um, you have Jared Hawker who left the game with an injury. Of course, Jimbo said he's going to be okay, but 
it, it's a team that all of a sudden kind of is a little bit banged up. And, and I, I would reason to guess that it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing to get some, some of these guys healed up because some of the guys are, are pretty important guys. I know he hasn't actually come out of a game, but if you've watched Ryan McCollum, the A&M center play by play through the game, there's been plenty of games so far this year that he has limped and had his hands on his knees and bent over because he's been in pain. Uh, he's made it through all the games and, and he hasn't shown any signs of not being in a game, but you got to think for a guy like that, there's going to be some bumps and bruises and, and he's been the difference in this offensive line. One more question uh, on the COVID stuff and then we'll, we'll move on to what Texas A&M's up to right now. Um, you know, it's a little surprising, right? All that we've heard is that it's two players and one staffer. So three COVID cases kind of shutting things down. Um, you know, what exactly happened and, and why exactly has the contact tracing kind of led to so many guys being out? Well, I mean, so the, one of the guys was Damani Richardson, who uh, was ruled out and didn't go on the trip beforehand. Um, and then there was another player and another staff member, a, a student worker, they said, um, who has been uh, tested positive. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you don't necessarily know how much contact Damani Richardson had with everyone else before that positive test. I mean, they get tested three times a week. One, the, the last one is on Thursday, so they can get that result back on Friday. Um, so they get tested Thursday. Those results get back in usually between 10 and noon on Friday. And a lot of times they're hitting the plane then at 1 o'clock. So if, if, uh, if uh, uh, Damani Richardson – had been positive and, and had been contagious. I mean, he's been in and around the team, and then all of a sudden um, that positive test comes back Friday at, you know, 11 o'clock or something, and then the team's getting on the plane, and, well, he just stays behind. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it's, a, it's a decent system they have set up. There's a lot of testing, but it kind of doesn't account for this exact situation where all of a sudden, oh, no, someone's tested positive, and – people are loading on the plane. So you don't really know if he's kind of quote unquote patient zero, but um, uh, somebody else then who was on the plane that in the tight confines um, had it. And I, I guess, um, and we're, we're trying to kind of work to get some a little more clarification on this, but you know, you have one guy sitting on a plane, there's, they're probably leaning over talking to each other, you know, it's a, it's closed confines. So probably everybody within a couple rows of whoever it was, it, both those, people who were on the plane um, would have fallen under the CDC guidelines of contact tracing. And that's kind of how you get knocked out. Not to mention, if you look at the, the, the Texas A&M offensive line tweets out a picture after every game, every win, and, and they took a picture inside South Carolina's locker room. And uh, I know people have mentioned close locker room spaces and it is, it is tight in there. Uh, people are kind of crawling up and climbing up on lockers, to be able to all fit in the picture. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if, You'd like to think that with all the testing that they do, that everyone is okayed and everyone is good to go. But if you just have that one instance, then all of a sudden you have a lot of people in a lot of tight spaces when you're traveling. And that's, that's pretty much how it happened. You you have to think. Yeah, it's a good point because like, I think what we're seeing with, with football in particular is, and kind of with baseball as well, is that we're not seeing a lot of like inner team trans, you know, transmission, right. We're seeing, and that was kind of an initial, Initial fear was like, okay, linemen are going to kind of be in close contact, but it's not like sustained contact. And so like, they're not, you know, we're not seeing that transition that way. We're seeing it when these, when guys get in the locker rooms and like, you know, take, you know, or more cordial afterward and kind of hanging around each other and doing things like that. That's more of the, 
the risk factor. That's why things tr- travel within teams. We saw it with baseball as well, where, you know, there's a, you know, somebody standing on second base and the second baseman's there, but like, they're not that in contact with each other. And it's mostly right. when they're dugouts and things like that. Well, and it'd be interesting to see too. And you see how open a lot of these college coaches are with pulling their masks down to talk and, mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, they, they rule that masks should be on sidelines and, and I think that there probably is a sense of security that comes with getting tested so frequently and everyone's mm-hmm. tests come back negative that you probably would think that they would not, I don't know this, I'm just kind of speculating here, but you would mm-hmm. think that they would probably need to be wearing masks the whole time on the plane, like any of the rest of us, but you wonder how much of them do, or if it's mandated to wear a mask on a plane. And, and you right. kind of think that if they are saying that this is a problem with the plane, then there probably weren't masks on the plane because everyone tested negative, but then all of a sudden something slipped through the cracks. So mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see if, if that changes or, or what that situation is moving forward on planes, um, even in that kind of semi-bubble environment that they've created. Well, we brought you on, of course, uh, before all this happened because we have a top five team in College Station so really, you know, when you kind of look at it right now, what do you think has kind of been the biggest difference with Texas A&M this year versus even the last two years? The offensive line, for sure. Um, I think the offensive line has been the biggest um, question mark the last two years. And when, when a lot of us sports writers were talking after the end of the last season, kind of uh, pontificating on what this season would bring, it was all about, well, this offensive line isn't really getting anyone new in per se. Um, so it's going to have to be a big spring practice. Well, <laughs> yeah, about that. Um, and so everyone kind of came in and was like, what is this going to do? And, and, and a lot of us kind of said, well, they, they gelled, they coalesced, they're, they're a year older, you know, or managed to be able to make the, uh, the, the summer, um, they managed to make the summer, the most of their summertime that they did have. But I think the real key is, and it's somebody I mentioned earlier, is Ryan McCollum. He's a guy, the start, uh, starting center this year, he's a guy that left 2019 spring practice as the offensive MVP. Uh, and so everyone thought, oh, well, here's your starting center to replace Eric McCoy, who went off to the NFL, and he's going to step right in and do a good job. Well, McCollum, as we found out later, suffered and, and was dealing with a bulging disc in his back through most of last season and he was only able to get in for a couple of plays here and here there Colton Prater came in and ultimately started the whole season and and the offensive line wasn't wasn't great and so you you gain Ryan McCollum back who is able to fix his 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 back issues and and get healthy there and uh, I think that's been a lot of the difference other than guys just getting some more experience improving is you don't necessarily see how key a center is until you don't have one. A&M had Eric McCoy for three years and, and that offensive line was decently stable for, for a while. And, and in the past two years, it's, it's been a little shaky. And I think Ryan McCollum has been a big factor. So I think one of the biggest differences you, you want to look at, well, will Kellen Mons improve? He's been more accurate. Well, I think he's had more time to pass the ball. Well, Isaiah Spiller has been a beast and he's been able to, to do a lot. Well, he's had much bigger running holes to, to, to move through and so I think it all just falls back on everyone has a little bit more time because the offensive line is, is, is doing a good job. Yeah, I think we, we kind of hinted at, or we kind of speculated that the offensive line could see something big when we saw somebody like Kenyon Green emerge last year as a true freshman. And it was like, okay, well, if they have this guy who they're pretty comfortable with right now, like who knows where this unit can go if the rest of it develops around him and they can have it for, you know, multiple years now. Um, I kind of wanted to hint on, you mentioned Isaiah Spiller. 
we knew that he was the guy for this offense, right? The Obviously, the quarterback gets a lot of attention for uh, Jimbo Fisher teams, but he always has a consistent and really reliable slash star running back of his offenses. Um, but to me, the biggest addition for Spiller, especially recently, has been the emergence of somebody they can that can replace him a little bit, uh, Devon Achain, um, somebody who – because Spiller's this workhorse running back for them and the the crux of this offense, like how having somebody who can spell him in a couple downs here and there so he's not getting as banged up as he has been throughout the season, how big has his emergence been? And has, is was he somebody who the coaching staff kind of thought could be a contributor this early? Well, I think that more even important than giving Isaiah Spiller some time to rest has been giving – Anaya Smith the ability to move completely back to wide receiver again mm. so you, you A&M enters the season uh with uh what looked to be a pretty pretty stacked uh wide receiving core you had Jamon Osmond you had Cameron Buckley you had Hezekiah Jones all, all senior uh guys and and or, or, or upperclassmen guys who have been in the system a while um and then you know Jalen Weidermeyer at, at tight end if you look at the way A&M's offensive sets lineup you never really have more than three wide receivers in the field even when they spread things out usually Weidermeyer's flexed out as a tight end you might have the if they go five wide it's usually the running back goes out they never really go five wide with five or four wide receivers um so I I think everyone thought okay well it's, it's a natural thing to move Anaya Smith back to running back let him get some carries he did a really good job in the bowl game he's he's that mismatch guy he's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands because he's a playmaker and that made sense well cam buckley season ending injury before the season starts jamon osmond offs out Hez jones is out for the first quarter of the season with an injury uh, and then you have a wide receiver core that had barely any catches among them with uh count with chain um with uh, I mean, Anias was out there. Sometimes. He, Anias was your most veteran receiver out there, and he only had about a half a season under his belt last year of being the guy. So now that Hez Jones has come back, you uh, you have a guy in Achain who can spell Spiller because um, Anias Smith had been that guy that was stepping in and getting those extra carries. Anias Smith has been able to move out, and all of a sudden you have a pretty – stable solid wide receiver core all of a sudden with chase lane who's made out of those guys who stepped in has made the most emergence and and been the most consistent out of those guys you have Hez jones who has really been a, a security blanket and a stable force for AM in the last couple games he's been in um and you have anias out there and so a chain has, has really been the key into being able to let anias smith move back and if you've seen uh, A&M's wide receiver core, A&M's passing game has been so much better than, than the stop. I mean, look at that Vanderbilt game. They really couldn't get the ball moving through the air at all. And now you look at the um, oh, uh, the Arkansas game. I mean, uh, Kellen Mond throws for 80%, uh, which is his highest rating of, of his career. He still moves the ball. They have uh, four passing touchdowns. I mean, they are, that four passing touchdowns was last week, but things are just moving. And, and I think our chain has actually been a big key on why they've been able to rearrange things midseason. You know, this was kind of seen as a year where maybe you could get kind of that, that third year breakout year, right? And it looked a little slow to start, obviously, with those first two games. But, you know, how close do you think this team is to kind of really reaching its potential? And, and on top of that, you know, obviously, it's only one loss. Again, they're a top five uh, type team right now. What's the potential of this team? You know, I mean, I, 
it, it they they lose a lot on the offensive line next year. They lose Kellen Mond. Um, they they lose they, they potentially could lose Miles Jones on either side. They lose some guys on the defensive uh, defensive line next year. That defensive line that's been good. I I think things are still trending upward because they finally have recruiting depth underneath and they have depth in the depth chart to sustain, but it's hard to think. And, and everyone had before the COVID and everything pointed at this is, this was kind of going to be their season. And uh, I think that they weathered the storm of a weird mixed up schedule that it was supposed to be a backloaded schedule. As far as, as competition goes, it's now it became a front loaded schedule. They weathered that storm. I mean, they keep winning and, and, I mean, I think I think I think A and M fans would be dis- disappointed now this season with anything less than a New Year's Six bowl, um, and I think that they are getting themselves reasonably riled up for the thought that, hey, a few things go their way. They went out. College football playoff isn't necessarily out of the the question. I mean, you're you're ranked number five right now. Why why wouldn't that be out of the question? Um, so, I don't want to say that this the the window is this year because you have 10 years under Jimbo you have a constant top whatever recruiting classes that are that are coming in um but I, I want to say that if 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 a New Year's Six Bowl isn't achieved by this A&M team um or even a, a shot at the playoff I, I think people are going to be disappointed and and I think that relates into the potential about what what disappointment would be I I, I think it's New Year's Six Bowl or bust and and that's 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 a that's a high bar. Well, you could follow Travis at Travis underscore L underscore Brown on Twitter. You can read all of his coverage in the Bryan College Station Eagle. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. You got it, guys. Thanks. Thanks again to Travis Brown from the Eagle. Great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, but now let's go ahead. Let's jump into it and get into games. And we're gonna start with TCU at West Virginia, 11 a.m. on Fox. And West Virginia is a three-point favorite in this game. Really? Just three? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured at home they'd be a little bit more, maybe kicked it up to about five and a half or something. Um, what are you thinking about TCU right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? It's like yeah. this all depends on whether you think that TCU's any good or that the last two teams that they beat – were really bad right in Baylor and and obviously Texas Tech mm-hmm. um the answer is probably somewhere in between but I probably lean more towards that those teams are bad right now mm-hmm. um now I will say right like TCU defensively I think matches up really well with West Virginia and I think that their defense especially their defensive line is starting to figure something out mm-hmm. the issue is on the flip side West Virginia I uh, I'm not exactly sure where they rank in the rankings right now. I can go and check, but you know, they have one of the big 12's better defenses, right? especially on that defensive line where Darius and Dante stills just go out there and ruin people's lives. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that kind of, that's kind of what it comes down to, you know, who do you trust to move the ball with more consistency? Yeah. I'm leaning West Virginia because it's been two weeks now where Max Duggan and his offense has kind of just like, labored around hit like one or two big plays and then just coasted on that and opposing teams haven't been as good on offense to capitalize um 
I think West Virginia is good enough to capitalize on like TCU's reliance on like hitting one or two and then just kind of laboring for most of the game. It's not a, it hasn't been a good trend for Max Duggan in recent weeks. Um, he's starting to look like last year. And so that's why I'm kind of leaning towards West Virginia closer to a touchdown. Um, because I don't know, like, I feel like I need to see it's, it. He's trending in the wrong, this whole offense is trending in the wrong direction. And I feel like when you play a defense and again, it happened against Baylor, but again, I think a lot of those were just like the one or two random mishaps by the Baylor defense. And then all of a sudden TCU scores. And then um, last week was just, again, Max Duggan, like, you know, breaking two huge runs. I think that West Virginia is way a little bit more competent on both sides of the ball to be, to let that happen to them. Yeah, the thing that I'll say is that West Virginia still at this moment after seven games ranks number six in total defense. And, and context for that, by the way, they're second among Power 5 teams and the only Power 5 team ahead of them is Wisconsin who's played one game. So in And effect, probably will only play one game. <laughs> that's <laughs> a rate. whole other thing. But, uh, <laughs> but so basically, for all intents and purposes, West Virginia has the best defense in the country. So yeah, no. And again, (laughs) again, like um, we can talk about, you know, on, on paper or, you know, eye test or stats or whatever you want to talk about Baylor's defense versus West Virginia's defense. It really doesn't matter because West Virginia's offense will, you know, compensate for anything that defense may let up. And so, and they're not going to let, leave them out to dry a lot, letting them get back on the field and things like that. They're just on both sides of the ball. They're a better team. Yeah. Yeah. Basically here's the deal, right? They, TC's going to run that draw play with Max Duggan, and then he's going to mm-hmm. run into two Sills brothers. That's the <laughs> issue. And that's where the game will be decided. So yep. <laughs> moving on, uh, we got UTSA versus UTEP, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, UTSA is a six-point favorite in this game. Uh, UTEP, obviously at this point, hasn't played in a couple of weeks because of, mm-hmm. uh, of the COVID situation. And um, at this point, like, look, last week I think that we lost – two more games that we previewed uh, after this podcast came out and UTEP right now, uh, they, I believe that they cancel practice on Tuesday, but they plan mm-hmm. to have it on Wednesday. So we'll just say that this game is supposed to happen, but so, right. but um, you know, we just don't know at this point. Right. Um, I'm going to lean UTSA. Yeah. Um, because I mean, they haven't been trending in a great direction either. But I think what they have shown is just more consistently reliable than UTEP. Um, We don't know if we're going to get good Gavin Hardison. Uh, We know we'll get good Deion Hankins, and we'll know we'll get Jacob Cowing, who will hope that he gets the ball. Um, (laughs) And, but, but again, I think it's, we've seen UTSA for as much as Frank Harris has struggled this year. We know what they're going to do with Cynthia McCormick. You know what they're going to do uh, in the running game with Frank Harris. And I just feel like, one, this has the makings of a very messy, slow game, in my opinion. Like, they're, neither team's going to want to – neither team's going to put up a lot of points, I feel like. I feel like we're in for, like, a 20 to 17 type of game. Um, and I trust UTSA's defense a little bit more. But I definitely trust their offense more. Like, I just don't know what UTEP's going to give with Gavin Hardison. I know at least as much as it didn't work against FAU, I mean, FAU is a different animal, and as much as it hasn't worked in some in some time, uh, some drives against La Tech, even though they won that game, um, I just know that they're going to try to run the ball, and they're going to be 
I feel like they're gonna be pretty effective at it. So it really does suck that we don't have UTEP in a rhythm for this game. And, yep. uh, you know, because the thing is, right, like I think that UTSA is better regardless. Like I do mm-hmm. think that UTSA would be favored. Um, but, you, you know, the, the stats are crazy, right? Like UTEP has played one game since October 10th. Mm-hmm. And they haven't played in the state of Texas since playing at home against Abilene Christian on September 19th. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is this is a team that I expect to be out of rhythm. They've obviously lost some practice time over this whole period. I have no idea what their COVID situation is like, um, you know, because obviously they've been in and out of practice. And, and so this is just a UTEP team right now that unfortunately there's no reason to expect will be in rhythm. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, and I think that there's a lot of nice things if they are in rhythm, right? Like, I think that we got to see a lot of that earlier in the year. We got to see sure, that. I mean, if, if this is if their defense is legit, I think their defense is legitimately good if yes. they're in rhythm. Um, I think that we'll, we'd know, I feel more confident if I'd had some more games with Gavin Hardison on, uh, on tape, but you know, we don't because his last outing, his last two outings basically been pretty bad. And so, you know, yeah, like you said, like the the rhythm thing, I just, we, we don't know what they're going to look like right now. Yeah, yeah. And it sucks because, again, I think that there's a, I, I mean, look, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that UTEP has, you know, had a real chance to win this game, I think, it, you know, mm-hmm. heading into it this season. And, I mean, I think that UTSA is not to a big extent, but I think that they're starting to get figured out a little bit, especially with Frank Harris under center. But sure. um, speaking, I mean, speaking of postponements, I mean, last week's game against right. Rice, supposed scheduled game against Rice could have been a big right. tell for UTSA either way. Right, right. So I, I just don't think that UTEP's going to be in it enough to, to make this game super interesting. And the other thing too that I'll say is that if this game becomes a slog, I trust Sincere McCormick more in a slog than I do mm-hmm. Gavin Hardison and, you know, Deion Hankins is great, but I, I just don't think that – I mean, he's not Sincere McCormick right now, right? Right. right. You know, he's that's not, he's no not the guy who you can who, – who can, you know, he's not the bell cow that – and that's that's not a slight to him. I mean, Sincere no, McCormick no. is just an absolute monster and a unique talent. Um, Hankins can eventually maybe get there by the time he leaves, but, you know, right now he's just not that. Definitely. So moving on to number three, Houston versus USF, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Houston is a 14-point favorite in this game. And let us let me start this off with saying, damn it, Houston, this is a must-win game. I was about to say, if Houston <laughs> does not cover this, <laughs> USF is a tire fire. Um, right. Oh, man. Yeah, no, this is a get-right game. And damn it, you better get right. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I just feel like I'm reading off Houston's schedule every single week, but I feel like you just have to, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because the last two weeks they play UCF and Cincinnati. The next three weeks they play SMU, Tulsa, Memphis, right? That sucks. That yeah. sucks. Uh, South Florida, a disaster right now. They're one in six. Their one win is over the Citadel, and it wasn't even that good. Um, the thing that I'll say, though, is that South Florida has – gone out and competed with a bunch of teams the last couple of weeks uh you know against memphis they only lost by one against temple they only lost by two so this is a situation where we know that houston is better than they were last year like i'm very convinced of that mm-hmm. and they haven't had a ton of opportunities to prove it but guess what you have to prove it now you have to show us in this game that not only are you better but that you're a lot better that you're gonna put south florida to sleep and that you're going to, you know, continue to grow off this game. So, yeah, I think that it's it's less that we think that they're going to cover than more that we're thinking, man, you better cover. 
You better cover. So, so you want to, you want to know how much of a reprieve it is to face South Florida's offense for <laughs> Houston's defense. So they play UCF, right? Which is the number right. eight SP plus offense in right. the nation. Uh, then they played Cincinnati, which is the number 29th uh, SP plus offense in the nation. Now let me scroll down and down and yep. down. There's UCF 118th. Yeah. In offensive SP plus. Yeah. 67th on defense. So not atrocious on defense, but absolutely atrocious on offense. And yeah, yeah Houston, please. <laughs> if uh if I see them cross 35 points, we got a problem. We got a problem. So come on, Cougs. Let's and that uh, was let's that was right. an unintentional pun, by the way. I did not know what I was doing there. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Next up, we got another team that has not played in four weeks. The North Texas Mean Green. Oh, man. Speaking of teams I don't know anything about. Right now. The last time we saw North Texas play football was when we were like, oh, Jason Bean. Okay. Yeah. And then it's been a month. <laughs> it's been a literal month. Uh yeah, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Who is one player who's going to play <laughs> in this game that you're confident will do something? Uh, <laughs> Jalen Darden, there's your answer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, is he? Because, like, you know, like, can, he get, can they get him the ball? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, in the lot, Jalen Darden. Was good. Bean was good for that game where he, you know, where, where, where he definitively – in my opinion, became the dude that should be started the rest of the year. Yes. But like, you know, and Darden played great in that game, right? I'm not going to act like Darden didn't do anything in that game. Um, but, you know, the other times we saw Jason Bean this year, he didn't necessarily look like he knew how to get Jalen Darden the ball. <laughs> yes, but even with that relative inconsistency, uh, Jalen Darden is number four nationally in receiving yards a game. He Fair is, enough. He is that yeah. good. He is that good. But uh, yeah, huh. Wonder what's going to happen in this one. Obviously, UAB, uh, one of the better teams in Conference USA, year in and year out. They're four and three right now. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what to expect because UAB also, you know, they they do a good job on defense. They do a good job of taking things away. Um, this is going to be a game where North Texas can't make mistakes, and that's mm-hmm. been one of their biggest issues. Obviously, has just been continuous continuously excuse me making mistakes and turning the ball over and that's one thing where moving to Jason Bean and obviously moving to kind of more of a rush-based offense has limited some of those mistakes so that's going to be what I'm going to be looking for is just have they managed to to cut down on those mistakes especially on the offensive side of the ball and again that doesn't talk about the defense which has been atrocious this year um Mm -hmm. so yeah i i really i mean again it's been a month i don't know what you want me to say about this football game (laughs) right i was about to say yeah i mean they are probably the best defense they faced this year um yeah yeah. because they're i believe they're 14th or 15th in sp plus defensively uh, uab is wow and so yeah they've been really really good they've been really impressive this year i'm trying to look at their schedule right now here we go so in 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 North Texas's favor, aside from Miami and Louisiana, it looks like they might UNT potentially might be one of the better offenses. They haven't necessarily played good yeah. offenses. Oh well, and I mean uh, to be clear, right? Like North mm-hmm. Texas, for all of their mistakes and flaws and everything, right, has been what a top five 
total offense in, in all of college football. Right. So, so it isn't, you know, it isn't a, a complete mismatch. I mean, you know, UAB's schedule isn't the toughest outside of, again, outside of Miami and, and Louisiana, really. Um, so, yeah, it really is hard to pin down what to expect in this game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, when, when you take 27 days off, I don't really know what to think. About. And, like, your defense is already banged up as it is and, like, right. dealing with COVID cases as it is. And so you're like, all right, well, I, I don't know who's going to step on the field for this team. Yeah. So next up, we got Rice at Louisiana Tech, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN3. Rice is a one-point favorite in this game on the road. Really? I like that. Um, yeah. You know what? Screw it. Yeah, let's, let's, get, let's say Rice covers. Oh, yeah. Let's see if they went out <laughs> riding cover and their other, you know. I don't know. Like, I, I, mm, I'm trying to, like, reel in my enthusiasm for Rice <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember, right? But, middle Tennessee. Know that they uh it, it was middle tennessee and then who'd they play the second week i'm blank oh southern miss sorry southern, southern miss, miss yeah right so you know looking good against southern miss is cool i mean you know we, we got to make sure that we can confirm some of that against louisiana tech but yeah but like but like la tech i mean they're they're like a a brand name in, in conference usa like a you know brand contender name but they haven't been that great this year either they've been okay like, they've been, they've been okay back. like they've i don't know like do i th- the question to me is do i think rice is up there is right now on par or potentially on par with UTSA and UTEP, and I think it's yes. And oh, LaTeX, well, no question about that. And so, like, and, and well, that's what I'm saying. Like, in La Tech, traditionally, you would have them favored against those teams, but La Tech has lost to UTSA and then barely, barely beat UTEP. So, I think Rice should be, in my opinion, potentially favored because I thought our expectations of Rice, in my opinion, were that they were better than UTSA and UTEP heading into the year. Yeah, no. I think that's all reasonable. I think that uh, I think that Rice, this is a big opportunity for them here. You know, again, like you mentioned, Louisiana Tech is not a great team. You know, they're they're a good team. They did beat UAB last week, though, right? Sure. And yeah. so, you know, this is a team with some upside that's starting to figure it out a little. But if Rice is what we think that they are, based on what we saw the first two weeks, including the loss, right, where they kind of figured things out in the second half, mm-hmm. if they can be that. And yeah, I, I think that Rice wins the football game. And I'm going to, I think that does happen, but it's going to be a big prove it spot for me. Sure. So moving on, uh, game number seven. We got Texas State at Georgia Southern, 2 30 p.m. on ESPN3. Georgia Southern, a 10 and a half point favorite in this game. Man, um, I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like my son, I already already said I'm on a sabbatical of this team for a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a fine line. I mean, George Southern might beat him by more. Uh, <laughs> can you tell that I'm enthusiastic for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, no, give me George Southern. I'm not going to try to talk myself into it. We saw I me. Mean, they tried Tyler Vitt last week. Still didn't work. I don't know. <laughs> that's, 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 that's about it. <laughs> that was that was my that was all I had. It was like, okay, we'll try the switching quarterbacks again. Oh, they didn't work. Oh, okay, I'm out of ideas. Jake Spavadol, you're you're the one who paid millions. You fixed this. <laughs> um, well, uh, look, I I do want to congratulate you on uh on being a graduate of the best uh one and eight team since. My alma mater was one and eight, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, again, they, uh, they do some nice things every week and lose. That's kind of the formula at this point, um, except, for, yeah. 
yeah yeah and and obviously it's been less and less nice things as the season has gone along so um yeah no at one point I thought maybe Georgia Southern was a game that they could compete in I'm less sure Georgia Southern looks better than I think that I thought Mm -hmm. uh so maybe all of that um maybe all that positive you know mental headspace goes next week to Arkansas State who's looked a little worse than I thought that's that that's uh that's one I can potentially talk myself into yeah yeah so we'll we'll, we'll talk next week um (laughs) Good luck. Have fun. You know, get yeah, some have have some have have a good time. Um, <laughs> I would say Statesboro is a lot of fun, but it's probably not. Um, probably not right now, especially. Especially probably right now, probably not right now. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll catch up in in a week. Hey, man, go go out there, uh, enjoy your time there. Watch a crap ton of Senate ads. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Just enjoy the time with your brothers. <laughs> enjoy the time learning about Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler. It'll be great. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure that there's still a Lieberman ad on the air in Statesboro somewhere. It'll be, I don't know. <laughs> who, knows, who knows what'll be going on? It's the place to be right now is the state of Georgia. So. Right, right. <laughs> um, anyway, next up we got Baylor at Texas Tech, 3 p.m. on FS1. Guess the line for this game. This oh, my God. Game. I do not want to guess. Um, <laughs> okay, it's in Lubbock. Yep, yep. I'm going to say – oh, my God, this is hard. <laughs> I'm going to say – oh, God, no. Um, I'm going to say Tech minus three and a half. Tech minus one and a half. Oh man, that was yeah. that is close. That's yeah. a pick, that's a pick'em. That's a pick'em. No, I, I think here's the deal with these two teams, right? Is like they are obviously similar quality teams, but we have like these prior conceptions of what these teams should be. I think to a large <laughs> right. extent, you right. know, we're like, come on, Baylor's not worse than Tech, but uh, but are they? I, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and and obviously Tech has a win over West Virginia, which Baylor does not have. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, mm. you know, and, and then Tech obviously has a bonus win because they played Houston Baptist. So, you know, cool. But uh-huh. uh, <laughs> a, a narrow win, by the way. Right. Um, I really don't know. I mean, here's the deal, right? And I, we talked about this a little last week. Like, I think that Baylor's definitely a better team than Texas Tech, but they have mm-hmm. found so many ways to lose games. Right. So many ways, so many ways to lose games. And in this game, uh, you know, it's, I think it's a little unclear at this point um, which defensive lineman will be playing. That was an issue last week mm. um, for Texas Tech, that is. And mm. look, if, if, if Baylor can't block Texas Tech's makeshift defensive line and give Charlie Brewer some time, which he did have last week and did mm-hmm. some okay things with, right? Sure, sure. If, if they can't replicate some of that this week against Tech, it's going to potentially turn into a blowout. Because I think that Tech's defense has started to become kind of underrated at this point because, you know, the offense has struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the same with the flip side, right? I think that, you know, if Henry Columbia can keep the ball moving against this Baylor defense, um, you know, target some of the spots on the field where Terrell Bernard had, was supposed to be before he got hurt, you know, that's kind of their path to winning the game. I, I really think that uh, both these teams are going to do everything in their power to try to lose this game, so I'm not even going to bother making a pick. <laughs> that's a, you know what? That's a good point. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and, and be the optimistic one and say Baylor pulls it out. Okay. Um, I think that last week, even though I wasn't as impressed with Brewer as some people were, um, I was still a little bit more skeptical on how he was making things happen. Sure. Um, but I think that what, what it did show was that I – I'm trying to figure out how to word this. So what last week showed me was that Fedora did trust him in some situations, but Fedora trust him when like the situation was absolutely pristine, perfect. <laughs> and, and so, but, but, the, but the thing is they, they were able to scheme those situations for him and he was able to hit the receivers and hit, uh, hit the running backs when they needed to, when they was open, when they were open and, and they got rewarded for it. And so I do think that was a little bit of something. And I think that Baylor's defense, as we saw last week, Henry Columbia, Tech's offense was not able to do anything, right, right, against ECU. And I think if you can get to Henry Columbia, which I think Baylor can, I think. Sure. Um, I think this Tech, I think Tech flounders if, they're, if they can't block for Columbia and he's not able to make things happen in the short passing game, if he's not able to move around more. Um, I do. I think last week for Baylor offensively was a big seminal moment for them in in potentially scheming their way out of their of Charlie Brewer's inefficiencies. Sure, sure. Not to take this too off track because we we do need to move on. But what is going on with Tech's tackles? Like, yeah. I I mean I know that they lost two guys who are mainstays for them and Travis Bruffy and Terrence Steele, but I mean bad. it's been it's been bad, right? Like it's been. It's really been bad. And, you know, I think that obviously heading into the year, we expected that interior line to, to maybe be the best in Texas, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and they've played fine. You know, they, they haven't been an issue, but it's just the tackle play has been so inconsistent. And, and actually, obviously, on the other side, too, that's similar for Baylor, especially as they dealt with, uh, with COVID issues. Mm-hmm. So, look, whoever, uh, whichever defensive line gets around the edge better, I think, wins the game. And, uh, <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I will say this for Max comedy factor. I will probably watch this entire game. Yeah. Oh, because this is going to be the most nonsensical game probably of the weekend, in my opinion. And I'm really excited for it because I mean, come on, it's the butt bowl. Listen, this is the last opportunity. Well, tech plays Kansas still, but this is close to the last opportunity that either of these teams is going to have to win a football game. Yep. So butt ball, baby. Let's, I mean, it's going to live up to it this week. I can tell you <laughs> that much. This game is going to be nothing but butt oh. all over the field. It's going to be great. Uh, one, one, good, uh, one last thing and, and good piece of news for, for Baylor is that John Lovett, Ben Sims, and Tyquan Thornton will all be back this week. So, nice, nice. You know, we'll, uh, we'll see if that means literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be a fun game, though. I, I do think it will actually be pretty fun to watch. Um, yeah. I, I just have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to close it out with this, okay? This is actually, I, I do have to mention, this is a very weirdly balanced schedule. I, I mean, I'm sure you didn't kind of notice with how I was reading them, but we had one mm-hmm. early game and we had one late game and every other game is in the midday time slot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, why? <laughs> what is that for? <laughs> I mean, come on. But, oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This, this is a weird Saturday slate, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to close it out with what has suddenly become maybe a marquee game of the weekend in the state of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. SMU versus Tulsa. 
Now, you hear SMU versus Tulsa. What I hear is number, what are they now, 15? I, I don't have the poll up. Uh, yeah, like number 15 SMU versus first place in the American Athletic Conference, Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Actually, hold on, let me see. They're, they're, they're 19th. They dropped. Oh, boo. That sucks. <laughs> they should be higher. Well, what's wrong with you, AP? Come on. Yeah, now. I don't know. that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> whatever top 20 smu versus yeah. first place tulsa their only loss was that game against oklahoma state that they really maybe should have had mm-hmm. and since then granted their last two games are against two of the worst teams in, in the aac east carolina and usf but but they beat ucf <laughs> right they beat ucf like so this isn't just like a oh my god they just haven't played anybody this is a okay they haven't played a lot of people as yet we don't know a lot about them but we mm-hmm. know something about them right and they have shahan's golden boy at quarterback the pride <laughs> of grandview texas zach smith yeah 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 the uh the original uh greatest quarterback in grandview history so <laughs> right right <laughs> so yeah i mean and, and i will say right like this isn't just a fluke. Now, I, I don't think they're going to stay in first place. I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything like that, but like they've legitimately done some things pretty well. Uh, Zach Smith, to this point, you know, he's he's completed six percent of his passes, thrown for seven touchdowns. Like he's been pretty good in the passing game, and the defense has has done a pretty good job so far this year, all things considered. And so now you're in a situation, and and like I mentioned, Tulsa's favored in this game. I don't know about mm-hmm. that. That's that's a little much for me. It's weird, yeah. But um, but you know, I think it's going to be a really good test for SMU to kind of see whether they can avoid mistakes because that's kind of how Tulsa's been uh, been feasting this year is just mm-hmm. by making less mistakes, right? <laughs> and right. And in a year such as this, obviously, where you know we have COVID and and all that going on, I mean, just not making mistakes can be a pretty big deal. So. Look, I think SMU wins the game, but like I think that they really would benefit from going out there and having a good performance because I do think that this is a real test for them. Sure, I do too. I think you look at the you look at Tulsa's big win over UCF, and it's like okay, well they didn't like they didn't go toe to toe necessarily with them, and like you know put up as many yards or like things like that. Like, they got beat in like every category except turnovers, right? right Dylan Gabriel right. turned the ball over. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, I'm trying to think of another fumble. Otis Anderson turned the ball over. Johnny Richardson turned the ball over. They had two lost fumbles, um, and Tulsa recovered two. And like Tulsa, you know, Zach Smith only had one pick to three touchdowns, and they were able, like I said, they won the turnover battle while losing yards. And you, you know, they don't have the most explosive offense. They don't have the most stingy defense, right? And another thing was penalties, right? They they did not commit. They did not make mistakes. You you see. Excuse me. UCF almost had 20 penalties in the game. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, to Tulsa's eight. Like, again, this is a team that just is disciplined. They're well coached. They don't they don't mess things up for them. The only problem is, I think SMU is the same way. They're a team right, with, right. that doesn't make mistakes, doesn't uh, cost themselves yards or drives, and they're also an explosive offense. So, give me SMU. But I think this is going to be a game that's going to be a little bit trickier. Than, uh, than, you know, conventional wisdom may say. But I do wonder if this is a game where I, – I, to me, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I wonder if this is – because SMU is not a team that makes mistakes like Tulsa's opponents have, I'm wondering if this is a game where they maybe look more impressive. Yeah. Like, like legitimately more impressive, where it's like 14 to 21 points in between these two. 
Yeah. And the thing that I'll say, right, I, I think that I actually did undersell Tulsa's defense a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, especially based on the level of, oppo- of opponents that they've played in Oklahoma State and UCF, they're number 26 in scoring defense, mm-hmm. and they're holding teams to under five yards of play. Yeah. So, you know, this is, a, this is a defense that's done a good job. Obviously, their defensive line did a tremendous job against Oklahoma State. I mean, Tulsa's a team that can cause issues. And I actually think that this is like the perfect kind of team, uh, like the perfect kind of roster for a team like Tulsa, right? Where they're just like nipping at you constantly mm-hmm. and just trying to like ruin your day, basically, right? And, and those are the most fun teams to watch, in my opinion. And, and I'm glad that we'll get to, I'm glad that we'll get them alone in the, in the 6 p.m. slots uh, in terms of the state of Texas to, to kind of watch closely. Um, but yeah, I do think that, I do think that SMU is better. I do think that SMU has an opportunity to really kind of show that they're better. Um, and, and again, you know, I mean, I've said this basically every week to this point, and they've delivered uh, for the most part. I want to see SMU's rush game take over this game. I want to mm-hmm. see Tyler Levine take over this game. I want to see more from Ulysses Bentley. I want to see, I, I want to see Tamrick Williams get more carries too. You know, he only had the one last week that was a 40-yard touchdown. So, yeah. I'd love to see some of that. I'd love to see them be diverse on offense. And, and again, just not make mistakes, uh, do the right thing. And, and I think that they can coast to a win. Definitely. I agree with that. I would, what's the, uh, I know this is on ESPN too. What's the primetime game on, ESPN, on big ESPN? Let me look that up. What can uh, we complain about? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I am always happy to complain about all these. Okay. The, <laughs> all right. Uh, it's Florida versus Arkansas, um, which is. What? I mean, that's an okay game. That's no. Okay. I mean, no. Arkansas, Florida is what? They're number four now, right? In the AP? Yeah. Arkansas, come on. Arkansas's ruined some people's days, man. They don't even have a head coach this weekend. Come on. <laughs> that is, that's a good, see, the game that you really should be complaining about is on ABC. It's, it's Wisconsin at Michigan. Why are we putting Michigan oh. on TV? <laughs> Why are we putting them on TV at all? Who wants to watch that? <laughs> I mean, we are not a Big Ten Does podcast. Wisconsin have their quarterback back? I think. Are we about to watch a second string quarterback versus a one and two Michigan? <laughs> I, I oh, mean, that's a terrible game. We are, we are not uh, people who cover the big 10, but I will tell you what the big 10 has been fun as hell so far because <laughs> everybody is bad. Everybody yeah. is so bad. <laughs> that's very uh, true. except for Indiana, except for Indiana. They're great. Yes. But uh, I mean, my goodness, again, I, I, I think that I argued this <laughs> a week ago, but like mm-hmm. Ohio State beat Rutgers by not that much. They gave up 27 points to Rutgers. Like, yeah. and we're, we're like, well, that's the class of the Big Ten, man. Like, like come on, this is what we're working with? Right. This is what we're, we got to do? <laughs> like, this is, the, this is the conference that we got to make sure and reserve a spot in the playoff for. <laughs> you know, the one that, that Indiana's ruining everybody's day and Penn State's 0 3. I, I don't think so. I don't think Greg Schiano was off the street and just all of a sudden is like a top (laughs) five coach in the big 10 again. Listen, with all this, uh, with all this big 10 trash talk, he can be damn well sure that none of us are running for president anytime soon. (laughs) 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 Anyway, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to everybody for listening. Before we go though, uh, thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda dealers. There's one team that could use some helping hands from North Texas Honda dealers. Who is it? Ooh, that's a good, I didn't think about that for this week. <laughs> I always forget right until the end. And I'm like, oh man, I, yeah. I, I got to mm. come up with it. I, I got to figure out. There's just so much going on. Uh, who's yours? I think that my team 
that could use some some helpful hands. I think that UTEP could use some hands getting some extra practices in. Oh, that's a good. Because yeah. they that's have not played very much, right? Like that's a good I, point. Yeah, I, I think that just getting out there, getting some individual training in, getting some one-on-one personalized attention for for some of their playmakers. I think that that could really help them out because again, it they've played one game since October 10th. Mm-hmm. And they've played one game. They haven't played in the state of Texas since September 19th. And now they're about to go on the road to Midland, Texas and play home mm-hmm. games. Yeah. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Georgia Southern. Cause I don't want them to pull a muscle when they're running for long <laughs> touchdowns against Texas. State. <laughs> just, just need their help getting carried to the end. <laughs> yeah. They need help. They're going to need some trainers stretching them on the sidelines. Cause it's going to be a long day for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta, we gotta make sure that they have enough backup quarterbacks to spell shy works, so that you know, <laughs> when we're in the third quarter, they don't just run out of guys. You know, it's just, yeah, you know. They, <laughs> oh, why does my team not know how to play football? Listen, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they are better. They just don't get to prove it very often. You know, you know, you know the funny thing. I, so I, I, we can sign off after this, but I was the B rider in 2016 right and forever with his first year started off great 56 54 third three overtime win over ohio in ohio they went on to go two and ten right it hasn't gotten better (laughs) it hasn't better that was that was about it um that was four years ago Man, again, and, and the thing that I'll say, right, is that I think if this team plays last year's schedule and, like, the quality of the teams that they played last year, I think we're maybe on to something, right? Like, that's, yep. that's the issue, is that yep. Sunbelt's been damn good this year, and unfortunately, a lot of the teams they have ahead are even better. And then yep. on top of that, you thought it was a good idea to schedule <laughs> SMU, UTSA, Boston College, and, and uh, oh, who am I missing? BYU. At BYU. Yeah. In non-conference. It was a bad idea. It was a bad choice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, again, I think Texas State is a lot better. Uh, not, again, not to, to make this whole end of that thing, but who's, who's their non-conference next year? Have they announced that? Uh, uh, hold on, let me see. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure Just to see if they can kind of, I want to say Baylor. I don't know if Baylor's on the schedule Oh, my gosh. Year, okay. That series yeah, starts. Yeah, they got, they got Baylor, but they do have Incarnate Word. So, you know, uh, either sure. they're going to win or Eric Morris is going to be their new head coach. Uh, <laughs> right, I was about to say, or he's going to annex San Marcos. Uh, they play at FIU. FIU this year has been pretty bad. You yeah. know, we'll, we'll see where Eastern Michigan, okay, it's fine. That's, that's fine. It's manageable. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, at least I think you get one win out of that game. Right. Right, as opposed to just four just totally brutal, ruin-your-day type games. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know. Maybe we'll, we'll figure out next year, right? So we'll see. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for joining us for the Texas State Podcast. Thank you to everybody <laughs> for listening all the way through. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, if you don't follow at DCTFCFB, that's brand new. Make sure and check it out. Uh, we've been posting a lot from there the last couple of days. Uh, and if you are not already, become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again on Sunday.